This is an energy sport podcast. Insightful, in-depth and entertaining sports content from Napier to you. This is the Football Roundup, energy sport's longest running football show. Each week our team of football writers and podcasters deliver their views on the weekend's action from Scotland, England and the wider world of football. With our panel bringing knowledge, insight and passion, you can be rest assured of quality from each episode of the Football Roundup. Hello and welcome back to the Football Roundup. My name is Jack Donnelly and I'm delighted to be back in the hosting chair after Graham did such a good job last week. And I know we said we're going to have a rotating cast of characters this season, but we do have two of last week's panellists back once again. He's vacated the hosting chair, but he is still here to talk about anything but Rangers at this point after their weekend. Graham Sinclair, how are you, mate? No, we'll talk Rangers. Got a bit of therapy now. Never hurt anybody, Jack. You're right. You're absolutely right. You, 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 you've calmed down and you're willing to have a chat about it. Yeah, calm down, sure. <laughs> we'll leave it. We'll hopefully, hopefully uh, leave it at that. Uh, also making his return after last week. Uh, he, I'm surprised we actually managed to wrestle him back from the, the clutches of those at the terrace after he shared a chance encounter with one Joel Sked on the train back from the Hearts game on Saturday night. Jamie... Ah, uh, Jamie Mac. I almost forgot your last name there. Good God, Jamie McIntosh. It's good to have you back, mate. Oh, I would never be dragged away. Honestly, he did offer me a can of tenants, so I'm—I got the feeling he was trying to lure me away. But no, <laughs> he, he must have known that. Clearly, energy sport as fuck as we as we say. <laughs> we do often. stand by that, don't we? <laughs> Aye, that is the that, the absolute mindset we need to have here. Just when we we we've got such a short time period to be to be here podcasting. So it's a short four years, but we need to hold on to as many of the regulars as we can. And one of the regulars we've managed to bring back, uh, he'll have had a good weekend all across the board as both of his Scottish Premiership sides scored big wins. So Struan Garvey, you must be absolutely delighted with yourself, mate. Oh, I'm absolutely delighted. It was an excellent weekend for Hibs. For <laughs> and and your other and your other team. I, I thought you were meaning Hibs women as well as the Hibs men. But I now realise it was a Celtic joke. It was a Celtic um, joke. A cracking result for Celtic too. Cracking result indeed. We'll get onto that one in a little bit. But I suppose the one we just do need to start with is that result up at Tanadice. Dundee United won Rangers nil. Uh, Jamie Robson scored the only goal of the game as Rangers lost for the first time since March 2020 where they fell to Hamilton. Graham, you said it's a bit of therapy for you to be able to talk about it, so we'll come to you first. Uh, just Rangers didn't really seem to be at the races on Saturday afternoon, did they? No, they weren't in Dundee United were, which is obviously why they won the game. And it wasn't a game of high quality across the board. I think Dundee United really had really scored with the one good chance in the game, which is a really bad indictment for Rangers to not create a really a clear cut opportunity, but. Shows how good Dundee United they were, which I thought they were excellent. I didn't have, didn't have high hopes for United this season, but I thought their their work rate, their energy. I actually thought they looked pretty good in the ball going forward as well, for the most part. Some nice quick and safe passing and moves. And to be honest with you, they were well deserved of their win in the end of it. And the goal was a, stro- a stroke of luck, but mm-hmm. yeah, I've always I always say yeah, and you know, luck luck in football, and Dundee United did on Saturday. And there was seemed to be a bit of unrest when the team was announced because uh, Lauren Shankland, obviously, he was out of this team, uh, sustained a bit of a hip injury and it wasn't due to the interest from Belgian side beer shot. We're led to believe at the moment. So for them to get the result with this result without their talisman, it kind of speaks very positively of the team that Tam Courts has set up at the moment. 
Absolutely, and I thought Nicky Clark did an excellent job leading the line. Nicky Clark, something I noticed about Nicky Clark is, see if he's, he's a small boy, but Jesus Christ, does he put a fight up in the air. Just every single ball against the Rangers centre-backs. Nicky Clark was up there and he won his fair share. I'm sure he probably, percentage-wise, he lost more than he won, but for somebody his side to put up that much fight, is very, very impressed. And Stuart, I'll come to you next because uh, after, after such a dominant showing in the league last season, it was expected that a lull would come eventually for Rangers and it kind of seems to have come at potentially the worst possible time for them. Of course, they've got that Tuesday uh, Champions League qualifier with Malmo Ibrox and it is only the first time that they failed to fail to score since uh, they played Livingston last August, but uh, surely it's not the most encouraging thing in the world for Rangers fans to be seeing that they are... F- Kind of struggling to create in these games going into such an important one tomorrow night. Yeah, I think it, it's definitely worrying. I think it was fourteen shots on target. It's fourteen shots in general and only two on target, so it's a bit worrying. And as you say, we what we've seen over the last 12, 18 months is this Rangers team can always find a way to score. You know, there's been there were so many occasions last season where it looked like they were going to get a draw, perhaps or even a loss, and they found a way to pull it back. So, and I think many many people expected the same to happen at the weekend, but. Just just a few changes happening. I think possibly Morelos wasn't quite ready. I'm not sure if he should have been straight in again over Sakala. But as, as you say, I think the Mammal result possibly made this one sting a little bit more. And the fact that Celtic then went on to win on the Sunday as well. But I, I don't know if this will be uh, anything really badly to worry about or rather just a blip. I think I, w- I would probably lean towards the latter if I, if I was thinking sensibly. It probably would seem to be a little bit of a blip. But Jamie, that's nothing to take away from the performance that Dundee United put out. I mean... Look at, looking at the stats, it was a fairly heavily uh, dominant performance from Rangers. Shared the line sheet of possession, had more shots, more corners. The only stat that Dundee United really led was kind of fouls committed. So they really kind of did set out and complete that game plan that Tamcourt set them up with, and that was just to kind of frustrate and deny Rangers as often and as quickly as possible. Yeah, you know, when you play the old firm, they're always going to have the majority of the ball. Hart showed that the previous week against against Celtic. But the important thing is you're not going to get many chances. And when they come along, you need to take them. And, and that's what Jamie Robson did. Mm. Um, you know, Tam Courts, sorry, Thomas Courts. Um, Thomas, does it? Uh, he needs to be known well, as Thomas. <laughs> Andrew Cole well, situation, well, isn't it? He'll have come in there with a game plan. And, you know, Dungeon United's defence was really solid last season, to be fair. Benji Segrist... Um, in goals as well, it's massive keeping a hold of him. So, you know, he'll have trusted his, his back line to, to be organised. And, you know, but Rangers are going to steal all the headlines for being poor. But, yeah, Dungeon United deserve credit for, for the performance. And Thomas Courts deserves credit for the game plan. And uh, we did already mention that Rangers do have that massive uh, Champions League qualifying match uh, tomorrow night on the day of recording Monday, as usual. Uh, Graham, I'll come to you just to get your connect perception of the game, how you're feeling going into it and whether you think that Rangers will get the job done in the end Well if anything that's going to come from this defeat on Saturday it's, it's that hopefully it's a wake up call for the team because we can compl- we can talk about Saturday's performance but it's really been the performance in the, in the pre-season and the open three games of the season I mean it was, we saw Rangers beat Real Madrid in the pre-season but, but for the most part they were very poor, they've lost to Tramier, snuck by Parkley Thistle I know results don't mean everything in, in pre-season friendlies but the signs are there they were in the great versus Levy in the opening game of the season despite the 3-0 win and then were very, very poor against Malmo on Saturday. So but so they've done that, but they've had it where they've not really had massive, massive like, negatives. Got a lot, two undefeats fine against Malmo. Mm-hmm. You can come back from that. But there's... That's what I'm, that's all I'm hoping for. I'm hoping for uh, 
a wake-up call from the defeat because I thought a lot of the players, particularly some of the best performers in last season, our captain, our best centre-back, have been the poorest of the players so far. But get get them in a full eye box, a massive game, probably one of our biggest games in a decade. Mm-hmm. And you hope that that's enough to make them show up and p- produce a performance that they were producing for most of last season. Strew and Graham mentioned it there, Phil Ibrooks, of course it is today, the 9th of August, that in Scotland uh, you are allowed outside crowds of up to 5,000 people and clubs can apply for more and we already know that Glasgow City Council have granted both Celtic and Rangers full capacity crowds for their European games this week and likely beyond, so how much of an impact do you think a full Ibrooks of 50,000 fans will have on this game tomorrow night? I think it can make a massive difference. I mean, we always say the old saying of, you know, the 12th man. And I think, you know, Gerard called on the fans as well, which hasn't really done in the past. Obviously, it hasn't been fans recently in the last 12 months. But I think they can definitely make that. And I feel, I think the fans deserve it for how good the team has been. And I think the team also deserves to have fans there, given how good they've played in the last 12 months. Good stuff, right. We'll move from one side of Glasgow to the other and it was a bit of a kind of Jekyll and Hyde performance from the two Glasgow sides. We saw the bad of Rangers, but we saw Celtic at they're kind of best we've seen them in a long long time as they scored six goals past a fairly limp Dundee side at the weekend it was a starring performance for Japanese forward uh, Kyogo Furuhashi or Kyogo Furuhatrick as he was getting called on Is social it? media no not a fan no not a fan of that not a fan of that at all uh, not really all, su- all too surprised to hear that one to be honest but uh, he, he had the starring uh, role but it was a big performance from Ryan Christie as well getting three assists and uh Odson Edward opened his account for uh, the season, potentially his only goal of the season. We're yet to see how long he will remain in Scottish football. But, uh, Jamie, given uh, that this was Angie Postacoglu's first domestic uh, win uh, in, uh, in Celtic management, he couldn't really have asked for much better, could he? No, you know, I was listening on the radio and... You know, the commentators said it, it could have been 10 and, you know, you watch the highlights back and it, and it probably should have been 10, actually, when you look at some of the mm-hmm. some of the chances that Celtic managed to miss and, and some of the saves that Adam Legson's pulled off as well. Um, you know, when you see a side concede, what was the score? 6-0? Six 6-0, nil. Six nil, <laughs> six yeah. Goals. Six goals, you always look at the goalkeeper and think, oh, Jesus. But, you know, Legson's made a few good saves there as well and, and you know, kept it to only six. Yeah. But, yeah, the Celtic are back. <laughs> oh, that's a big claim already. That's a big. Uh, that, you did say this though. You were only going to be big shouts this season, weren't you? So. And big calls only. Big calls only. Big calls only. It's not this podcast. We do big shouts on that. It's big, big calls only. Uh, and surely that's really nothing but encouraging for Celtic fans. Seeing this is finally a team that seems to be clicking in terms of attacking. Uh, anyway, and I know there are still a number of defensive additions rumored to be coming in, but. I mean, I mean, if you're a Celtic fan, you're just absolutely delighted to see a result like six nil come to the, come to the forefront after so many underwhelming performances, kind of heading into this season and obviously throughout last season as a whole. Yeah, I think absolutely. I think fans were already beginning to question Postecoglou. Of course, a poor start to the season, the defeat at Hearts, as we previously mentioned, and then going out of the Champions League so early as well. But I thought Celtic were absolutely excellent yesterday. They played Dundee off the park. You could pick out a handful of players who were excellent. Obviously, Hurahashi got the hat trick. Christie got a hat-trick of assists and I think we'll probably talk about him in a minute or two given how much mm. 
support he's gotten in praise recently. But I thought Celtic were excellent. And again, this still isn't the complete side that Postacoglu wants to bring in. Likely see another right back come in, possibly another midfielder in there. James McCarthy, of course, is Celtic coming to the team and Julian to come back. So I think there are definitely some positive signs for Celtic. Definitely more than even two weeks ago, it looked very bleak. But now the team are starting to play Angie Ball, as some people would describe it. But yeah, I think there's definitely some positive signs there. And I think Edward's a really important point because you say he scored the penalty, but at the same time, he's not really looked that interested this season. Mm-hmm. And equally, that potentially could be his last ever game for Celtic. Uh, that rumour mill is just going to circulate all summer long until something eventually does happen. And even if he does stay, it's just going to keep uh, going round as a matter of when and not if. Uh, Graham Strune touched on him there. Uh, Ryan Christie, a hat trick of assists. His assist for uh, Furuhashi's third goal in particular, which is absolutely perfect ball through. He's received a lot, a lot of criticism in the past 12 months or so, but this kind of seems to be the Ryan Christie of old, the Ryan Christie that re- really made a name for himself up here in Scotland and the type of player that he absolutely is and should be consistently. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, I would say that Christie should be getting more of the praise for Furuhashi, but I guess a new signing's always going to get yeah. more of the headlines, especially in goals are always going to get more of the headlines and assists. But two of the passes for Christie's goals, he set up the second one for Furuhashi very nicely as well. So, he's always been one of the best players in the league. I think Christie was probably the in the season before last when Celtic won the last, their last title before Rangers stopped the ten. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Just any time, any time. Christie was the only one that I think could arguably up the red bar as challenging for the best player in the league. Hmm. And even last season when his quality wasn't there, his work rates and his effort still there the entire time. He's always going to give give everything for the team, even if his quality isn't there. So. He keeps that, and it keeps a solid foundation for a player that even when things aren't going well, I've always got this to fall back on. And now with Postacoglu coming in, it's a renewed confidence, it's a renewed ambition, it's a new. He's been told new things. I think he said that Lennon just told him shoot on sight. Mm. Basically, when you get the ball shoot on sight, whereas Postacoglu is saying, let's, we've got, we got you to work on our attack and yeah. play with, with multiple people. But it shows a difference in mentality, but also how individually he coaches them. And Christie's somebody that. And straight away he benefits. I, mean, I thought he was excellent in the Midland game, which I watched at home. Uh, I thought he was a different player, and he's continued that since. No, he absolutely has. Uh, Jamie, just a quick note on uh, Dundee before we preview another game coming up this week. Uh, they got a pretty decent result uh, last weekend against St Mirren, a 2-2 draw at home. But this is perhaps a result that a lot of people might have been expecting had it been the first game of the season and seasons gone by. But given the state of both clubs coming into this game... I wasn't really expecting such a dominant showing, to be honest, and you said it could have been more had it not been for Adam Legsons and the Dundee goal, so should we be looking too much into this for a for a really negative result on Dundee standards, or should we just kind of chalk it down as, yeah, it was a game for a newly promoted side up against one of the old farm teams? Uh, Celtic were, were very good, you know, and when you play against an old firm team that's in that sort of form, it's going to be a very difficult game. I don't really care about kind of the, the Celtic before. Celtic were on it that day, and with the players they've got in their team, when they are on it, it's going to be very difficult. But I am concerned for for Dundee, to be honest. Mm. They, they, I think only Queen of the South and Alloa conceded more goals than Dundee did in the Championship last season, and they've added Sweeney in at centre back. He never started last week. He started this week, and. I just got my doubts that if you know Dundee went with Killian Sheridan up top yesterday, and obviously that was more for a physical aspect. They were yeah. trying to look for a striker that would hold the ball up and try and bully a, a kind of vulnerable Celtic back line. Celtic showed uh, Celtic showed during the week that they still can't really defend against Shablanek. Um mm-hmm. 
but you know they, they, it was a bit more competent yesterday and I just don't really think Dundee managed to lay a glove on them and that's why I'm a little concerned for, for Dundee uh, at the moment I don't think they've tightened up the defence and I'm not sure that really if you can mark Charlie Adam out of the game or if Charlie Adam gets injured I think they're really going to struggle and I'm yeah. starting to regret putting them to come 7th in the, the prediction league Yeah Jamie that's all a point I just, just to add on to that I mean you still need to play Charlie Adam for an attack in sense. They do, yeah. If Celtic can, Celtic just completely nullify them by one marker. I mean, they, the good teams can do that. So when you do that, you nullify the attack and set, then you're exposed to Charlie Adam's defensive weaknesses and his fitness issues and his pressing issues. And Celtic just abused his defensive side of the game all the, game, all the time. And the amount of space he had in the middle of the park was just... Any good team gets that much space, you're going to score, score tons of goals, and Celtic did. And, of course, Celtic do have their second leg of their Europa League qualification match up against Shablonic this Thursday at Celtic Park. 4-2 uh, up on aggregate already, and, of course, away goals don't matter, but, realistically, they're four goals to the good. That, sh- that should be enough, Graham, shouldn't it? It was enough after uh, 60 minutes on last Thursday. People, some people were criticising Charlie McGrew, saying it's over, but I was with Charlie McGrew as well. You're with Charlie Mugger. Struan, what about yourself? How do you think Celtic will go into this one? Of course, it's going to be a full Celtic park again. As we said earlier, Glasgow City Council have permitted that full capacity stadium on Thursday. So, do you see this as a kind of one and done? There shouldn't really be any cause for concern this Thursday. Yeah, I think so. I mean, if you look at the two goals that Yablonek got, they're very preventable. It's just poor defending from Celtic. That easily could have been a 4 0 result. And I think I think it'll be an easy another second easy game for them, but I wouldn't be surprised if they do put out quite a few big hitters for the fans coming back, and possibly sub a few of them off around half time, sixtieth minute, because by that point, Celtic should be through, no, if they're not already through, of course. Yeah, of course, they do have that uh, League Cup game this weekend against Hearts to consider, and I'm sure they're going to be wanting to right a fair few wrongs uh, after their opening day Premiership display. And for one team that playing green, we'll go over to another. Uh, table toppers, Hibernian, uh, ran out 3-0 winners at home to Ross County. On Sunday afternoon, goals from Martin Boyle, Kyle McGuinness and Christian Doidge all in the first half sunk, a, again, a very good a placid and meek uh, Ross County side to a defeat. Uh, Struan, nothing really to say other than you must be happy with this one. Yeah, absolutely terrific result. It's, it's been a really good start to the season for Hibs, the era of last season, to be honest, the way Hibs started. And it's just really good. There's so many options currently in the midfield. The midfield's looking really strong. The fact that Gogic is on the bench, given how good he was last season, I think is just a testament to how well both McGuinness and um, Doyle Hayes have come into that. Obviously, Newell was expected to be there from last season as well. But um, Graham and I were talking just before we went live about how good Jamie Murphy's been as well. And it's just nice to see a lot of players that you wouldn't you wouldn't necessarily say fringe, but players who weren't quite doing it last season have started well. Obviously, Nisbet hasn't had the same start they had last season, but Christian Doidge has got two goals in two Premiership games, mm-hmm. so since Premiership games, so um, yeah, very, very positive from a Hibs point of view. And of course, Josh Doidge played as well. Didn't look like he was going to play another game for Hibs, but played at the weekend again, and it was quite good. Given as well in the um, Europa Conference League game against Rijeka. A lot of people had said that the fullbacks were the issue for Hibs, even though Hibs played well. The fullbacks still looked a little bit weak, so it was a uh, it was nice to see Josh Doig back out. Does Doig stuff not moved on at all? Then like, I honestly if, have. It seems to have regressed no from idea. what I've it read. Like at, at the time of the Motherwell game, it looked like he was going to go to Burnley, which I was quite disappointed at because you Burnley, Burnley, but, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But now it doesn't seem to have happened. I, I honestly don't know because 
it seems to have been every month of the summer it was a new club. You know, when last season finished, Arsenal and Chelsea were the two big ones talking. And then for the majority of the summer, it seemed Watford was going to be the team. I think they made quite a few offers. And then Leeds came into the conversation and then it was Burnley eventually. I think Celtic and Rangers had also been mentioned into the conversation. Celtic certainly at certain points. So I honestly have no idea what's going to happen. Obviously, I hope he stays. I, um, I've said quite a few times the fact that he was number 25 last season and it was changed to number three. That, to me... You know, I thought he was going to stay. I don't know why you'd change a shirt number for a player who's then going to stay. But I guess, I guess the good thing about it as well is, as far as I'm aware, Josh Doyle's never handed in a transfer request. Has, like, I'm sure he would no, go yeah, he's, offer. He's, he's not refused to train or anything like that. It's not. It's a lot of players these days. It's become more of a like players seem to have more power. But Josh Doyle seems to have been very loyal to Hibs. He's like, I'm happy to play play for Hibs. I'm, I'm not going to like force my way. Yeah. I will, if I get a good offer, I'd like to go. But I'm not going to completely abandon the club, which I think's. A good mindset, good, great for Hibs fans that he, he stays with loyalty, yeah. and potentially good. I mean, it probably makes it more likely that it doesn't go. I, I think, think the longer, so long so I was going to say, I think it's sort of at that perfect age. You know, if you're a, if you're a 28, 29 year old in the prime of your career and you want the move, you, you sometimes you know, like Harry Kane for England, the one you probably take. It almost seems like he's trying to force that move because it's almost a and now we're never situation. Mm. But Doyle's only nineteen. I don't think his value is really going to drop over one season. People have seen what he can do to that extent. And I think from his point of view as well, prior to the weekend, he'd never played in front of Hibs fans. And I think possibly that's maybe a decisive factor and possibly, you know, he wants to say one more season. Maybe Jack Ross has said, you know, stay one more season, you can go away. But at the same time, he could, he could walk out the door tomorrow. It's it's just so up in the air from a fa- from what we know on the outside, really. And it's just, he's a player that Hibs fans are really going to want to keep on to it as much as possible until there is a kind of identifiable replacement yeah. because as good as Lewis Stevenson has been over the years for Hibs and he's been such a good servant to the club Doyle just kind of already kind of come in and been better I mean he was meant to be there as backup to Stevenson last season wasn't he but he kind of eclipsed him and made that position his own throughout the last campaign what we've seen over the last decade is it's very very difficult to displace Lewis Stevenson and Doig did it pretty easily and mm. I think people saw as well you know Stevenson's not a bad player by, by any stretch of the imagination but there was quite a clear drop-off, and if you are leaving Josh Doig, you can't expect Stevenson to play the entire season, and Sean Mackey as well is injured. I'm not sure when he's expected back, or even if he's going to stay at the club, possibly another loan, so definitely a few issues in the left-back situation if Doig was to leave with not much time left in the transfer window. I mean, you saw it with Hibs, like, the drop-off, and they, they, drew, they played really well against Rijeka in Europa League last Thursday, I thought I watched, that was kind of my secondary game at St Johnston, where obviously Absolutely, yeah. for, for the most puffing strewn. And the difference, the, the downgrade from Dorg to Stevenson was very, very evident, despite yeah. the fact that Hibs played well. I mean, the lack of quality. McGinn was, McGinn was guilty as well of this, but from both sorts from both sides, but particularly on the left-hand side, where you knew you'd get more production from Josh Dorg, was one of the reasons I thought Hibs didn't win. Hibs uh, things like that. No, yeah, I, I totally agree with that. We were, we were saying in our group chat at the time, you know, Hibs, Hibs played well that night. They were unfortunate to come away one all playing at Easter Road, but there was a clear drop-off in the full-back quality. It just wasn't the same, both offensively and defensively, you've got to say. they just It just wasn't the same. It's almost one of those, you don't know what you've got until it's gone, and you just sort of, the, the rose-tinted spectacles perhaps on Stevenson in recent years, you know, he is, I think, 32 coming up, so it's not the same player that he used to be. I think, I think with Paul McGinn... What he will give you is, you know, a season full of seven out of tens. He was absolutely excellent last season, possibly the unsung hero. But I think the left back situation will definitely need addressed. Of course, the centre back situation is also a bit <laughs> iffy at the moment. So, um, it's it's a lot of po- to get back to the very beginning. It's it's a lot of positives for Hibs at the moment, but there are still quite a few minor concerns going forward. Positives for Hibs, Jamie, but not really any to speak of in terms of a Ross County perspective. I mean, 
the result uh, home to St John's in the opening weekend I thought was unexpected because I, I really have nothing positive to say about Ross County coming into this season uh, I'm, I predicted them to finish dead last and I thought their opening kind of few the opening five games six games even are absolutely terrible I mean they Opener St Johnson lost to Hibs. They've now got Rangers, Aberdeen, Celtic, and Hearts in their next four. That's not going to be a comfortable time for anyone involved with the Staggies. But was this kind of the performance you were expecting, the kind of the team that you were expecting uh, from Ross County this season? Because I, f- I feel like they're fairly safe money on going down come May. Um, uh, do you know what? I think there's a few teams that are going to struggle this season, so I'm not sure I would be saying like anybody's safe money to go down, but I thought Ross County might have given Hibs a game at the weekend solely just because Hibs were playing in Europe, and I wasn't sure yeah. if Hibs maybe... Uh, I know obviously they didn't have Kevin Nisbet, and I think that's a really good scoreline when you look at the fact that they didn't have Kevin Nisbet. To go and score three goals without you know your, your star striker, really, um, is, is very impressive. We were just speaking about the midfield three there as well. Um, and you know we know Boyle and, and Murphy the quality that they bring on the wing as well so you know yeah very solid performance again from Hibs worrying signs for County but you know Hibs have played Ross County and Motherwell um, so far in the in the league they've looked okay in Europe but uh, you know tougher tougher games lie ahead for Hibs as well so we'll see how they get on the longer the season goes on because um, I don't think every game is going to be as easy as County made it for them on, on Sunday. Mm-hmm. No, you're absolutely right, and they do have that big European tie this coming Thursday at home to Rijeka. Struan, how are you feeling kind of going into that one? Uh, are, you, are you expecting anything positive from that, or are you just hoping that they can get something out of the game? It's it's a bit annoying having to travel away and needing to score, you know, thank goodness. Oh, wait, my mistake, sorry. So, no problem. Uh, yeah, the fact that there is no away goals now, I think, is a massive boost for Hibs in that sense. But Hibs just need to know if they play the same way that they played in the first leg, they can win. You know, one defensive slip up cost them a goal, and they possibly should have had other chances. There's a few penalty calls later on as well. Seems to be quite a common theme in these games that Hibs are one penalty calls. But they, they just need one goal. You know, if they can hold out defensively, it's, it's a tough ask. But yeah, I think Hibs definitely can do it. That's going to come back to haunt me. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, hopefully not. Hopefully, I'm always, always trying to see. Uh see these uh, Scottish teams do as well as they possibly can in Europe. One team that potentially got a result that no one really expected them to or were absolutely delighted to see them, uh, St Johnston obviously drawing away in Istanbul last Thursday. They drew again at the weekend, uh, a one-all draw at home to Motherwell. A Stephen O'Donnell own goal put the Saints 1-0 up, but a Tony Watt volley from uh, six yards levelled things for the Steelmen in the 80th minute. And Graham, I feel like I've almost underestimated Motherwell coming into this uh, this new season. I thought it would be a fairly fairly poor season from them. I thought that their um, their outgoings would be a lot more impactful than their incomings. Uh, they had a fairly entertaining game. They played their part in that in the 3-2 uh, game against Hibs at Fir Park last weekend. Obviously, they scored first and then third to put themselves in the lead twice but then Hibs came back and they managed to fight back and get the draw away in Perth this weekend so what are your thoughts from Motherwell going into the, the kind of rest of the season because I feel I feel like they're better than what people were potentially going to give them credit for I wouldn't go that far like already I mean they were one of they lost at home in front of fans straight away they played well and Van Dien was Van Dien was was messy he was like they were left Barcelona and went to Motherwell last week and turned the his body uh, like yesterday they were playing St Johnston side that had come back from Istanbul made I think they made six changes and they just about snuck a draw to it so I, I've not really changed much of my opinions on Motherwell so far at the beginning of the season maybe a bit better than I expected but 
I'm not ready to completely alter my thoughts on their season, I would say. And Jamie, it's almost kind of predictable that we would have seen those changes coming from St. Johnson after that 1-1 draw away at Galatasaray. Uh, but they still managed to get themselves a draw in this one, so are, are, are all eyes just going to be on that massive, massive game this Thursday night in front of a full crowd of, uh, of St. Johnson fans, or do you think they would have still potentially been quite happy with a draw in this one, given the, given the circumstances? It's it's not a bad result for St. Johnson. There's no uh, there's no two ways about that. Um, you know you you can always tell by the changes. You know they made six changes or something. You said so that shows that a lot of their attention was on the the game on Thursday night and more because that's a money spinner more than anything else. You know if St. Johnson can get past Galatasaray, that means more finances coming into the club. They'll get full crowds back as well. So very exciting times for St. Johnson. So uh, yeah, it seemed like a good game actually. Um, Going by the sports scene highlights anyway, there was quite a lot of chances. Both goalies made some good saves. Um so I wouldn't be too worried about St. Johnson uh, kinda of not getting their not getting their first win in the league yet. And uh it's you know, same old story, really struggling to put the ball in the back of the net. Obviously scored a penalty in, in Istanbul and it was an own goal this time against Motherwell, but mm. uh, it's gonna be yeah, so kind of so it's gonna be so so funny in September when Stephen O'Donnell still starts at right wing back for Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, Steve Clark was at the game. Steve Clark was at the game, and uh, the performance of Xander Clark is one that uh, Cam Davidson was calling yeah. to get a call. Everyone's Do you see that? Everyone thinks he's there for Xander Clark, but he's really just there to sit to like back down. Not you're not going to back down. You're going to double down and see what they And he will. No, he absolutely will double down because it's his Scotland performance is just. He's been all. He's been good. He's been good in our Scotland shirt for the majority. And no, not, not here to defend Stephen O'Donnell. <laughs> Actually, I not, none of us are Sean McGill. We don't need to defend Stephen O'Donnell that ferociously. Get the Wayne. Get the Wayne. One of the Wayans in it, right wing back. One of the. So you're just. This is a. Uh, Nathan Patterson campaign from you going forward. Just... Oh, I say one of the one of the Wayans is a diplomatic answer. <laughs> I just think Calvin Ramsey had two good yeah. games. And he's straight in there. Um, diplomatic. It should be Nathan Patterson, but oh fuck. Oh. I'll play, I'll, I'll, play, I'll, play <laughs> I'll play the field. I'll uh, play the field. No, I, I'll, I'll come back to you actually, Graham, because uh, of course he started back for St. Johnston at the weekend. Uh, Glenn Middleton signing back on loan from Rangers. Uh, you excited to see him back in a back in Perth and for the forthcoming season, getting some regular football again? No, I think at this point, Glenn Middleton. I don't hold it much hope for him as a Rangers. Somebody who's going to have a successful Rangers career, but for his own career. I mean, yeah, it's nothing. It's good. I thought one of my I was a bit concerned about St. Johnston doing our previews. I was a bit lower on them. Mm. I think the depth up front was part of it. And I saw rumours about Greg Stewart at one point. Oh, it seems like they've died off. I thought it would have been nice for them. So to get Middleton back in their squad is massive because they're rotating like four forwards. They've got were very important last yeah. year. And having having all four available was good. Mm-hmm. And I think at some point, Glenn Middleton is probably going to go to St. Johnston on the permanent deal. And it's a Move that will work on both sides. Maybe Rangers can kind of snuggle the way in, snuggle Middleton into St Johnston, getting Alan McCann's good books, getting a Stephen Davis replacement, wheel him in. Is that just that's just what you're what's hypothetically what's... going for here? This is the things that you would like to see. Ah, get make up, get a good relationship with them, get out, get their best player, fucking reel them in, baby. <laughs> <laughs> what are you about to say there, Jamie? I was just going to say, do we know how long Glenn Middleton's uh, got on his contract at Rangers? How how much longer is he going to be at Ibrox? Minimum, anyway. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. That was you typing, I could hear that. 2023, 20, so says transfer market. 
So that's what I right. I so he's get this season the next uh, still contract to Rangers. That's how numbers work. Uh, Struan, of course, this is kind of all going to lead to this Thursday night in Perth, one of one of the most uh, famous nights we're hoping for in a long time for St. Johnson, welcoming Galatasaray to McDermott Park. I mean, even as a neutral, you must be excited for this one. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, I think everyone was the same last Thursday. Our timelines were just full of St. Johnston content and it was absolutely excellent. You know, the, the first 10-15 minutes it looked like it was going to be a cricket score. You know, I was, I was sort of fearing for St. Johnston, but they, they held out the storm, so to speak. And I thought they were really good in that game. I thought they played well. I think one of the massive bonuses coming into the second leg, of course, being at home having fans is the fact that Muslera, who I think captained the side as well last week, he was, is, yeah. is going to be unavailable. I think that's a massive boost for St. Johnston. You know, they didn't really pressure the other keeper too much, but they, again, they just need one goal. And we saw in the League Cup and the Scottish Cup, it only took them one goal to win it, both in the 32nd minute from Sean Rooney, I believe. But um, <laughs> yeah, they've, they've got a massive opportunity in this. I think quite a lot of people had written them off. And I think, in a sense, that was fair. Galatasaray only lost the Super League on goal difference last season. Again, they've recruited quite yeah, they well. Did. A few, mm-hmm. few names we know, like Patrick Van Anhol on a free, etc. So I think a lot of people expected it to be a comfortable win for them, but they've not. They've taken it to the second leg, and I think St. Johnson can definitely do it. Uh, well, it did just kind of seem to be that opening kind of 15, 20 minutes that they were really, really up against it. But second half, I thought they really, really could have performed above what many would expect, and especially at the back of that first half show. And obviously... They get the penalty, take the lead, and then it's quickly wiped out just three minutes later. But that keeper that came on looked a bit suspect. There were a few moments where you were just thinking, oh, he's made an absolute arse of that. St. John's could get something here, but it just never came for them. So I think if it's him on the night, you you, you would have every hope. So such an um, Alan McCann masterclass on Thursday. As it was in Turkey. He was absolutely hot shit. I mean, I think ever I think it's been known that Alan McCann's a great player for a while. Yep. I think on Thursday there was a few casual people looking at casual sort of St. Johnston Galatas had a great title tune and he's on the he's on the national radar. If he wasn't before, he's definitely on the national radar mm-hmm. now. Aye, deservedly so as well. Uh, right, who else do we have to talk about? Uh, the oh, Homer and Bart. Sure. Uh Jamie, we'll come to you. You were of course at this the game. Whole- the Homer and Barts. Hi, the Jam Tarts, the Hearts. <laughs> that's my favourite thing. See, as soon as Jamie put that clip in the chat in the first day of the season, that's been my new favourite thing, just calling them the Homer and Barts. Anyway, Where Hearts. The Hearts. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they were away. They were away in Paisley against St Mirren. 2 1. Uh, goals from Halliday and Liam Boyce, with Boyce setting up the first goal, uh, were. That that lead was halved by uh, Joe Shaughnessy, but then St Mirren went down to went down to ten just a minute later. Christian Dennis got sent off, so Hearts could see out the victory. Jamie, what what were your thoughts on the game? Obviously, you were there reporting for us, good people here at Energy Sport. Yeah, it was a, a massive win for Hearts. You can't really under underestimate how big a result that is. Yeah. Uh, Hearts have Hearts' away form has been so bad, like really, really unbelievably bad for for a number of years, and really actually throughout my lifetime, to be honest. Um, <laughs> And if they want to get into the top four, they're the games that they need to win. You know, you look at Aberdeen getting the last-minute winner at Livingston, okay, it wasn't much down to Aberdeen. Obviously, it was a, a bit of a howler from Stryek, but, you know, they, they found that way to win. Um, you look at Hibs coming twice from behind to, to win at Motherwell last week. You know, these are the games that Hearts need to go and win if they want to break mm. into the top four. And uh, they, they hung on at the end, probably a bit lucky that 
Christian Dennis got sent off or else I think it would have been even more nerve-wracking than it was. I have to say, I was on the edge of my seat in the press box. I was a bit anxious, a bit fidgety in the last few minutes. But uh, they did hold on and, uh, yeah, a massive result for Hearts. I'm going to ask you a question that you asked us on the day. Are we sure Josh generally is good? Because you never gave an answer. <laughs> this is the, the the new game that we play all the time. So I'll ask for your opinion and I'll get a couple of others if Graham or Struan have an opinion to offer at all. Uh, well, he was pretty bad at the weekend, to be honest. Uh, he was very good when he was fit last season in the championship. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was obviously in the championship and that's kind of what led to my question. Is Josh Ginelli actually good? Um, I think he's a sort of he's going to be a very frustrating player, but he's a winger, and I'm pretty sure they're all frustrating to be honest. They seem to just be the sort of players that kind of drift in and out of games, and they'll either turn up and make something happen, or they'll just kind of not really do anything. Ginelli was was dreadful on Saturday actually, and I would probably go as far as saying it was like Hearts were playing with ten men. Um, he was that right. bad. But on his day, he is a he is a game changer for Hearts, and you saw the first goal against Celtic it was him that got up the right got yeah. away from Starfelt and kind of got the ball into the box for Boyce who then managed to you know, work his way out to Mackay Stephen via Beaton or somebody died in and, but he makes he makes things happen on his day but Christ he was pretty bad on Saturday so we can't afford to have too many of those performances and to be fair he did admit it himself I mean he did tweet out for the, after the game bad one for myself but plus three so He's, yeah. he's owning up to it and at that's, least that's, yeah no that's absolutely fair enough and a lot of players will say that it's like it's not it's not about me you know it is a team game and obviously I want to do my bit to, to make the team perform and help the team win but as long as the team wins then you know nothing else really matters and uh, and that's what he said so no, absolutely uh, I don't really have much to add on St Mirren to be quite honest with you that kind of seemed to be the I don't know if anyone else wanted to chime in with St Mirren but uh I wasn't really too sure what to what to make of them kind of after after this game. I mean, obviously they they do have a fantastic squad. I mean, they do Jamie McGrath. We know he's in there. There's a lot of talented players, but that kind of front line just kind of seems to be frustrating at the moment for uh, St. Minute fans. I mean, you've got Brophy, and we kind of know what he's been like after his tenure at Kilmarnock, and Greg Kelty's joined him. And it was the kind of two of them supporting Curtis May up front that just didn't really seem to make anything happen this weekend. So. I, I don't know if anyone wants to chime in on that or get the, get some St Mirren's opinions out. There's not much to say about it than that. I guess my only takeaway would be that kind of I've associated St Mirren and Jim Goodwin's reign has been quite defensively solid. I, yeah. I, to be honest with you, I'm not entirely sure. I'm not sure the numbers back that up, but that's kind of, in my head, that's what St Mirren are. So to concede two goals in each of their first two games against teams that in my season preview I thought they would be competing with for kind of a top six spot no one's won Dundee now 6-0 mm-hmm. uh, I guess that's the concern right now yeah. from this point of view uh, I think I'll just quickly jump in and say that I think if you take if you take McGrath out that team they're, they're pretty shit actually do you know that right uh, they're <laughs> good that's, that's what we came here for they, you know, Curtis Main up front. We know what Curtis Main um, kind of brings to the team. I think Main and Brophy are actually a very good front too, but they need the kind of service. And a lot of the time, it, it's just kind of hopeful long balls and up to Main, who is, you know, very physical. He just flings his elbows out, to be honest, to anybody that goes near him. Um, Brophy is a bit different. Brophy's not a short, shy striker. I said that in my my match report of the weekend and you know Sean I think said when he was at Kilmarnock that he always just shoots to be honest whenever mm. he gets the sight of goal 
Um, and if you don't shoot, you don't score. But, you know, sometimes there was better options and, and Brophy still went for a shot at goal instead. But he tries to make runs in behind. He was offside quite a lot at the weekend. But again, that's down to maybe a good defensive line from Hart. So it keeps defences having to be switched on against them. And they're two strikers that are very different in what they bring. But St Mirren didn't really create an awful lot from open play. Um, a lot of the stuff was from kind of set pieces. And we know McGrath's got a good delivery. So... And Shogness has obviously popped up with a goal, but mm. you know you saw the goal that Brophy got against Dundee. It was from a, a ball in behind, and you know it's a good finish at the near post. And the second one was a penalty from McGrath. So, you know they're they're a tough team to play against, and but they're they're not really anything special creatively if you take McGrath out of that team. There we go. I mean, that that's the insight I was I was hoping for because I was kind of clutching at straws with Mullen kind of breakdown of that to be quite honest with you uh, one more game to talk about in the Premiership this weekend Livingston 1 Aberdeen 2 now what what are our thoughts on pitch invasions <laughs> because I have a feeling that there's going to be a fair punishment dished out to Aberdeen purely for the Covid basis of it all because you get a last minute winner you've been starved of, football, of live football for 16 months it's realistically going to be your first away day uh, down the road to the Tony Mac and Jack McKenzie pops up and Struik commits an absolute howler of a goalkeeping mistake and there's a, there's a pitch invasion from the Aberdeen fans I kind of saw I was fairly indifferent about it I thought oh okay fair enough but you just you just know there's going to be a bit of a punishment doled out for it yes it's only the, it's only really the Covid part we have to like kind of be worried about I mean, yeah. in my opinion if you get upset about a pitch invasion without context of Covid then you need to grow up <laughs> good yes that, that's what I would say generally I I do agree that it's a bit more concerning in Covid times what if one of those Aberdeen fans has Covid and he's out there trying to shag the players after he's going to win <laughs> and that's 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 not going to be good if if that comes back and bites Aberdeen in the arse they have some massive games coming up in Europe so you just have to hope and put, hope if you're Aberdeen that doesn't come to fruition and I do expect they'll receive punishment but in general if you're going to say not a pitch invasion soon yeah. No to you. Yeah. No to pitch. If you say no to pitch invasions, then we say no to you. Mm-hmm. Exactly, Jack. There we go. Uh, Struan, this was a pretty good result for Aberdeen to take, especially considering the fact that, like, uh, like St. Johnson, they rotated heavily. Uh, obviously, they've got that uh, important Europa League qualifier against Breedabout this coming Wednesday or Thursday. Sorry. Uh, so, just really solid result for them to get away in Livingston. Yeah, I think massively. I think, as you said, they, they did have quite a rotating squad and I think a lot of eyes would have been focused on the upcoming match. But, yeah, it's a really good um, result for Aberdeen and I think it just shows how good they've made, like, how good a start they've made to the season, rather. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it might, might have stung a little bit to see their former striker, Bruce Anderson, open open the score. It was a bizarre goal. I mean, a backwards shut-eyed header. I mean, fair Joe play. Joe Lewis is, is at fault for that one, I think. Ah, he, would, he probably could have done better for it, but... Uh, it was just it just comes down to it. Any time I've seen Max Strike, I've thought like he, he's he's a decent keeper, like he's he's fairly solid, fairly safe hands. That is inexcusable to be quite honest with you. That that big mistake, like you you just can't really get away with that at this level of the game. Surely, that's going to be one that not many a Livingston fan will be too pleased with them for. I'm absolutely sure. But uh, Jamie Aberdeen do have that game. Uh, Breedabick this when this Thursday I keep saying Wednesday good God this Thursday night and uh, it's going to be in front of the Aberdeen fans again I don't think have we got word on capacity from them yet do we know I'm not sure if I've seen anything I, but. I, if I, it's kind of I guess it's leaked or it's like 
rumoured that they'll be getting full crowds. I don't know if it was officially announced. Mm. I've not I've not seen anything official, but you would have to think it's going to be. Full it's... capacity crowds have been approved at Aberdeen, apparently, yeah. There we yes. go. Lovely stuff. So, full wall of Aberdeen supporters. You uh, should say, you didn't mention St. Johnson to the full crowd. No, yes, I, I didn't mention that, I, of course. I mean, you can almost expect it at this point. I mean, this is what I th- I said at one point last week. I think if you can expect Celtic and Rangers to be permitting full crowds, you kind of have to think there's gonna be full crowds everywhere else. You would you would hope to assume, anyway. Uh, Jamie, they're only coming into this one with a one goal lead, but uh, are you backing them to do the job on Thursday night? Yeah, I think they'll finish it off. Um, uh, you know, back at home. I know we we say away goals don't obviously count anymore, but if you're able to go and get the result away from home. You'll come back with fans at Pataudry and uh, I think Aberdeen will see it out and win by a couple of goals, if I'm being honest. I would like to think the same. Uh, that kind of wraps up everything we're going to be talking about about the Premiership this season. There were some good results uh, up and down the, the leagues as well. I mean, I was privy to a United comeback of sorts, uh, managing to secure a draw after being 2-0 down at half-time in what was one of the worst first-half performances I've ever seen from my club. It was genuinely terrifying to watch that team try and defend and it was an absolute howler from our goalkeeper for the for the second goal but you can read all about that in my in my beautifully written match report I don't like to talk myself up too much but I will on this occasion uh, on energysport.net uh, we're going to move on to potentially the biggest story kind of within football and potentially even beyond from the from the kind of last week or so Lionel Messi is, is, is he's left he's, he's away from Barcelona uh, it was Tweeted out uh, kind of middle of last week, I want to say that Lionel Messi will no longer be a Barcelona player, and he gave his press conference over the weekend, and he was in tears. It's clearly something not the player, nor his family, nor the club potentially would have wanted to come to fruition. Now I'm going to come to Strew into this one, but just before we get in too in depth about it, just how odd is it going to be to see Lionel Messi playing in anything other than a Barcelona shirt this season? It just it just won't feel right, you know. I think a lot of us grew up watching Messi at Barcelona. But I, sort of from when I started watching football is kind of when Messi came through at Barcelona. That sort of two thousand and five six period, and it's just been one of the staples, hasn't it? We've always known Messi at Barcelona. It's just it's just one of these things that you associate. I'm thinking of a wee still game joke there, but I, I won't make that at the moment. We're focusing on Messi here, but it's it's just odd, you know. I think PSG is the team he's currently linked with, and it looks like he might end up there. But that's just that's just wrong, you know. It's it's like FIFA. It's like a career mode. You know, he, he shouldn't belong there. He should be a Barcelona player. And I didn't, I didn't expect to actually be as bothered as I was when it was announced that he was leaving. But as, as I said, it's just something that's always been there ever, ever since I've watched football. Messi has been at Barcelona. You know, he's been the greatest player of our lifetimes of all time potentially. And yeah, it's just, it's just sad really that he's not going to be Barcelona. Obviously, we saw the the press conference that he made yesterday at the time of recording this. It's just hard to watch to be honest in the situation Barcelona are in it's just mm-hmm. it's difficult really now Graham I know you said you've not got millions of opinions about this you're seeing it more as just a player is leaving a club rather than he's retiring or anything it's not too too important for you but there is one aspect I do want to touch on and that's kind of the league's involvement in it all because as far as we were led to believe Messi was going to sign the contract with the club he'd agreed that he would take a 50% wage cut to remain at the club and he was happy to do so the club were happy to have him and it all seemed to be fairly amicable amicable but on realization that the league's salary caps and their spending budgets allocated to each team per season weren't going to permit it it just became 
insurmountable that Messi was actually going to be able to stay at Barcelona and play for another season. So, what what what's your take on that from the from the league's point of view? I mean, the league have had to stand by what they've set out, and they said there's we can't make an an exception for Messi because that's just going to cause a bit of an upset. So, they're losing their biggest player in the last. Mm-hmm. 10, 15 years or so, so it's not a good thing for them in any way, any way, shape or form to be losing them, but they've had to sit by what they've set out. I mean, the, the, the thing documented about this for, for me that I've seen is Barcelona's their, their, their financial troubles. Yep. I mean, like they are over, I think I saw like 487 million, I think, I think the number I saw in debt, and their wage, their wage bill is ridiculous. And so I guess La Liga... I mean, there might be ulterior motives for them, but one of the, one of the ideas of a salary cap is to reel that in. Yeah. Because both them and Real Madrid have both been really struggling financially for clubs of their size. I mean, they'll never they'll never die. They're too, no, too big yeah. for that. But uh, yeah, it makes sense. And just, that's that's what I'd, I'd say about this situation. You know, like just to say, I, I said earlier on that I kind of. And in the group chat, I wasn't didn't have much to say, and I guess it's for me. It's kind of like it call me a cynic. It just this is just a horrible football move for me. Yeah, just the fact that Messi's leaving a team, and there's only three there's only three teams that can afford them, and it's PSG, Chelsea, and Man City, and that's just it just makes me so numb to it all. It's not just, it doesn't anger me, it doesn't disappoint me. It just makes me completely numb to it. Mm-hmm. that these three teams that I, I know you're a Chelsea fan, so I try to upset you. Not just, at all. Like, I think the three of them are pretty soulless clubs. Yeah. And I just don't really have that. I've also, I'm, I watch the Premier League for Liverpool. I watch the Champions League because it is still probably the best quality football in the world. But I don't have as much investment in it because these three teams are in an arms race. And it's just my enjoyment and my interest in these competitions has decreased. And Jamie, I know I know you're not the biggest purveyor of football across the continent, but it does seem nailed on that, <laughs> that Messi is going to join PSG on a two-year deal with an option to extend for a third year. That just, it just doesn't, I'm like Graham, it just doesn't really mean anything to me just seeing Messi go to PSG. It's just a shame. I, I don't know what your thoughts are about it, but I just don't really... It's almost as if he's he's signing for potentially what could be one of the best front threes of the kind of new generation. That would kind of Messi, Neymar, and Mbappe up front. That's absolutely unbelievable. But it just doesn't really seem to matter too much to me. No, I don't care. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I, 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 no, you said yourself. I, my, my, it's not even that I don't care. Actually, it's just my knowledge of. Even just football outside of Scotland is uh, is apocalyptically bad. Even like the English Premier League now, it's something that I really don't pay an awful lot of attention to. Is that um, something never you, mind so, across the continent? So is that something you, you can like? If you like, has that happened in the last couple of years because of like, changes in football? Or is that just? Is that I think Super League. That's I think it. Super so League. Because I feel like I've seen a lot of you like watching Premier League since I've known you, and you've talked quite a bit about the Premier League. But yeah. it has regre- it has regressed. So it's not as if you don't. You only like Scottish football. You doesn't. You have like other forms of football. I'd say yeah. particularly the Premier League, but it's like the Super League and these giant clubs has turned you off of it. Is that what you'd say? I, I fell out of love with Chelsea, to be honest, largely because of the Super League. And I think when I fell out of love with Chelsea, it was pretty easy to drop the league mm-hmm. as a whole, or I found yeah. it very easy to drop the league as a whole. Um, it's not like I've never loved the Premier League or that. I'm not saying I've always been a you know solely Scottish football and I'll watch nothing else and I'll only support you know my local team and all that jazz but I think I've just fallen out of love with the 
falling out with love at Chelsea and uh, ultimately the, the the Premier League kind of came with that. Yeah, no, I I I can I can kind of agree with Graham. Like ever ever since the the Super League nonsense, and you were you were quite adamant about that. You were just and then I can fully respect you for it. It just kind of seemed like any sort of interest in that division just kind of seemed to wane, like from your perspective. And I know I know we did kind of. Uh, a ramble podcast after that, and you were still contributing to them, like in bits, but it just didn't really seem to be recapture your attention. I think that's almost the same with this move. It's just messy to PSG. Just I don't care about it whatsoever, and I should because it's one of the big. It's the biggest player in the world. It's the best player in the world, in my opinion. Uh, moving to a club for what could potentially be just a sal, it'll be an expensive salary, but it's a salary. But the fucking owner. Sorry, I shouldn't talk to you. I'm sorry about too much. The owner <laughs> just build, he's building an ultimate team. That's what he's done in the summer. He's building yes, an yeah. team. It's, it's been career mode. <laughs> what's, what's ridiculous is how many of these signings he's gotten on free. You know, he's got Ramos on a free. He's got Donnarumma on a free. He's got the best player of the world on a free. And he's got Messi on a free. It's ridiculous. <laughs> wait, wait. Who was that that you called the best player in the world there? It was Wijnaldum, technically. He's not wrong. <laughs> what did you say about Donnarumma there, sorry? He's on a free, yeah. Ramos, one album, and potentially Messi on freeze, and Hakimi, who some people for forty mil, one of the best right backs. Yeah, I think it was like forty to fifty in mm. world football, and they also want to sign Camavinga from Ren. As as building a career mode team, so surely if they don't go on it win the Champions League, that is a genuine disgrace. Well, I'd, you would I'd, think so anyway. I I said it in the in the group chat that we were talking about. If if Man City go and sign Harry Kane, and it looks like Chelsea are signing Lukaku, as as Graham said, those are sort of the three teams. I think it will be down to those three teams again. It could generally just come down to whoever gets the luckier draw. And I think you, PSG yeah. on paper definitely should, but and especially with a manager like Pochettino now, we've seen how good he can be. But it's 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 tough to say PSG are out and out the favourites just because of the history that they've had. I mean, they did make it to the final two years ago, so possibly. We should be giving them a little bit more credit. And last season they didn't have Mbappe when they went out. So, but yeah, with Messi, it's it's and the other signings like Ramos. It's it's hard to argue that they shouldn't at least make it to the final. Mm. And just a quick touch on something, just to wrap up. Uh, the next time we'll be back, the Premier League will have returned. Uh, and I think we might be doing a little preview podcast on that this week. I know Graham's yeah, we, doing. We get shouted. We did. We did. I, I we'll never just, did, just say. But <laughs> should be, should, shouldn't have said that. And if you want to hear me shout on them a bit more, then <laughs> listen <laughs> to that podcast. Uh, I will be talking about the kind of teams in depth, but like, what are like? Just I'm interested here. Like, what are our thoughts going into a new Premier League season when Arsenal and Brentford play Friday night? That's going to be another new season underway. So I'm just kind of keen to hear thoughts. Uh, Jamie's. I'd imagine sticking sticking with his anti Premier League stance. It's maybe maybe reading into it, but like I, I can't imagine Jamie, you're going to be massively invested in this Premier League season coming up. Oh, I might listen to your podcast. I. <laughs> 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 he's got a fantasy team. He's got. He's got a fantasy team. team. Oh, you're right. Yeah, no, I've got I've got a fantasy team. To be fair, I'll continue to continue to listen to the ramble, and you know I'll still watch it. I still pay for um, Sky Sports and that, so I'm not mm. going to like not watch it at all or boycott it completely but you know I'll, I'll still watch it when it's on but I would just struggle to be as uh, up to date with it probably as uh, as previous seasons eh, completely fair Graham how about you I mean you, you said you're literally in it for Liverpool and nothing else uh, there's some teams that, there's some exciting teams in the lower half as well I'm excited to see but I'm excited that Brentford are up mm, Billy yeah. G at Norwich there's yes. some inter- interesting stories just that it might be a Man City Chelsea title race, which doesn't <laughs> fun. 
Van Dyke's back. Leads are fun. Yeah, I'm excited. And there's full crowds again. Full crowds. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Apparently, I think they apparently suffered more than Scotland with the mm. with the lack of full crowds yeah, last season. So that will help them. And Stuart, how about you? I mean, you must be delighted as a as a Man United fan with uh, two massive massive signings in the window so far. Yeah, I'm excited, but at the same time, I don't think Man United will be anywhere near the title this season. I think I think Graham's spot on. That it's just going to be between Man City and Chelsea, and I think for a lot of neutrals, that'll possibly put them off watching it. But um, I think last season can just about be forgotten. A lot, a lot, of, in a lot of ways, no fans in any grounds, and hopefully this season the Premier League is a bit more watchable. Would be the word that I would say to describe it. But um, as a, yeah, there's a few interesting teams like Leeds, Brentford, Norwich. These are the sort of teams I think yeah. that'll. That'll be more attractive to watch this season rather than Paddy V's Palace was kids. That's the ones. I'm I'm interested to see them because I predicted them to go straight down last late towards the end of the last season. I said it was potentially one of the most unattractive jobs in England, and then they look okay now. You should probably work. We should probably work out a format that uh, between now and Wednesday to do this podcast. And we probably should. Yeah. Uh That we can teach. That we can talk about Palace at some point. We oh, we absolutely will talk about Palace at some point as we will a number of different teams in the division. So if you're interested in that, make sure to check out uh, Energy Sport across the socials towards that time. And just, you might as well go and do it now, at ENRG Sport on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. The website, of course, ENRGSport.net, putting out some fantastic content, match reports, features, interviews, anything you can think of. Uh, subscribe to the podcast feed, uh, wherever you get yours, Spotify, Apple, wherever. Uh, we are really kind of ramping it up and, depending on what we decide we might end up with all the podcasts on this one stream rather than uh, a separate in- extra time and ramble stream because Mr McGill put the put the extra time up on the main the main the main, uh, the main feed for the first episode last week so we might we might have everything up on this feed so make sure you subscribe to this one absolutely uh, thank you very much to Graham Strewn and Jamie for joining me today it's been a pleasure spending the last hour or so with you three fine gentlemen. Uh, we're going to be back next Monday to talk about everything in Scotland, maybe a bit of England and some of the stuff from the wider world of football and look forward to extra time this Thursday where they'll be talking about Rangers Malmo and the European games on Thursday night as well. I've been Jack Donnelly, this has been the Football Roundup. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.